0: This is KGMI Connects with Joe Tien, a live local show about our community and you on KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. Well,
1: good Wednesday afternoon, too. Great to have you with us here on uh, KGMI Connects. And we continue our focus on our local election here in uh, November this week with uh, today we focus on the mayor's race. Of Bellingham and uh, this is of course of interest to anyone here in Whatcom County especially in Bellingham though and your calls and questions are encouraged and uh, joining us here in the studio today is Kim Lund she is challenging the incumbent for the position of mayor in the city of Bellingham Kim great to see you
2: it is great to be here Jill. yeah
1: thanks for joining us and I guess I should do a disclaimer Kim is the daughter of my neighbor <laughs> So, uh, and we haven't really met, we've waved at each other's at high across the, across the way there, but uh, I've gotten to know your dad pretty well and your folks pretty well. And uh, yeah, so that it was interesting to find out that you were running for mayor.
2: I know. Yes. Uh, Yes.
1: Well, tell us about yourself and and why you're running for mayor.
2: Yeah. Well, I'm a lifelong resident of Bellingham. I think this is just the absolute best community. I feel so fortunate to have been able to raise my children here. And I think as an excellent community, we deserve excellent executive leadership and that's why I'm in this race. And um, my vision is for a community that is safe and stable and thriving and lifts up everyone. And I s- have been um, in this process now. Um, geez, we are We are marching towards November, so it's been almost a year. And out in the community, learning about key issues, having conversations uh, with residents across uh, every pocket of this community. And the stories that are being told about Bellingham right now um, are not the best stories that have been told. And I'd like to be a courageous leader for Bellingham to help us author a new story moving forward. Um, you know, we have real urgent challenges that are before us. There is so much at stake right now. and we need. Um, we need an executive that has both the critical skills, but also the passion and the fundamental belief that we can be doing more right now. And that's what I bring as a candidate.
1: What's your background? What have you, what have you done uh, professionally and in, in, in any way? Yeah, super, okay.
2: super relevant questions. So <laughs> um, growing up here, I was the first in my family. I went to Roosevelt Elementary, Wacom Middle School, Sehome High School. And the first in my family to go on to continuing education. And in large part, that was because of public educators that invested in me and helped propel me and connect me to a future that I I really honestly couldn't have imagined. And I went on scholarship to the University of Washington and received my degree in chemical engineering. And I left the U and went on to become a team leader at Intel Corporation in the Pentium semiconductor fabrication facilities that Intel has mm. outside of Portland, Oregon in the Hillsboro area. So I began my career there and, you know, Intel is a Fortune 50 company and that doesn't happen by accident. It was a great place to have a formative experience as a young leader in an environment where you are... Um, Always pressured to be your best, but they do that through intentional culture setting, through training, through investing in their employees. They'll do everything they can to remove roadblocks so that great work can happen. Um, And they celebrate success in really unique ways. And so all of that was really formative to me. I had the chance to leave Intel when I was ready to start my family. Well, it's a great place uh, to be a recent college graduate. There does come a time when you're working in a 24-hour, 365-day facility where it's not a great place to be a new mom. So when we decided it was time to start our family, we had the chance to move back up to Bellingham. And I took some time off and became a small business owner when my children were a little bit older and then went into the nonprofit community here. I worked for a couple of years, very small nonprofit community-wise Bellingham. We were doing independent analysis of the Gateway Pacific Terminal, which would have been North America's largest coal export facility, um, when that issue was before us as a community. And then I went on to become the executive director of the Bellingham Public Schools Foundation. So I recently stepped down from leading that organization for the last eight years. And that is, it was, a school's foundation was not something that existed when I was a K-12 student here in Bellingham. It, public education has started to take a playbook from higher education to close resource and funding gaps. And so that was eight years of investments um, for resources. We bought hundreds of, in, you know, instruments. We provided a lot of robotics, Um funded field trips, authors, and artists and residents at our schools. And um, we even did a, tons of unconventional supports for students in needs. I think during my tenure, we spent more than $50,000 on beds. In home visits, when school district staff would see that children were sleeping on floors, well, if we think about sleep being fundamental to learning. Mm-hmm. Um, so we we did all kinds of ways to help children feel seen and loved and prepared to learn. So I did that work, and then on the civic side, I've been a Whatcom County Planning Commissioner for the last five years. And that kind of um, beats my engineering wonkiness in some ways, (laughs) making sure that we're thinking critically about land use policy and our codes and unintended consequences. And um, I practice government and our governance and civic investment through board service. I'm on the boards right now, the Whatcom Million Trees Project. And also Bridget Collins working on ending child abuse in our community. All
1: right. Uh, so uh, as you said, there—I mean—we have an image of Bellingham as being this, which it is, I think, a pretty darn wonderful place. But it—it it has its warts. And uh, and what's been said, I—I I even saw a post on social media uh, by a, a friend of mine and uh, a guy I know has been professional here and. In the community, and said that his his truck had been broken into while he was, you know, well he had it at a local dealership waiting to be uh, have some service done to it, and he just, you know, said this this was a beautiful place, and now it's uh, well he used the term that uh, our former president once used to, to refer to some other countries, but um, and uh, <laughs> I can I, I, I can guess, fill in the blank there, <laughs> yeah, and it's it's um I I, I mean it, it's a I suppose it's a good time. To take the reins of Bellingham, but a, a challenging time as well. Um, but I guess with those those difficult those challenges, it's not just stepping into uh, uh, you know a, a, a situation where you're just riding high. That uh, there 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 are a lot of things to deal with.
2: Absolutely, um, you know, whoever is next mayor is going to um, be stepping into a lot of significant and complex challenges. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't, at the local level, be taking action, because there is absolutely things that we can be doing right now. And, you know, the next mayor is going to be needing to take urgent action on a lot of things that we've, we've kind of been dragging our feet on, honestly. And um, I can point to examples, you know, the, the encampment going on behind Walmart right now is an example, I think. Camp 210, which was the homeless encampment that grew over months on, you know, City Hall's front lawn and the lawn outside of the children's library. That was an example of deferred action. Um, and we have deferred action on climate. We're going to have to tackle how we're going to handle wastewater treatment. Um, at, you know, we have we have a lot of significant issues. Our water quality um, we have not been making significant improvements in our water quality trends for, you know, Lake Wacom, which is the drinking water source for 100,000 people. There's a lot of different um, complex issues that we need leadership to balance. And we need leadership that can both take urgent action to, you know, respond to what's before us, but one of the pieces that I've been bringing to this, and in part why I have received the endorsement of our the City of Bellingham safety professionals, both fire and police are united in backing my candidacy because it's not just about reacting to what's before us right now to do better by the citizens in Bellingham. It's also, we have deferred long-range strategic actions. And an example of that would be Um, The last fire station that we invested in and built as a community has a plaque on it that has Mayor Mark Osmondson's name on it. So we were a community of closer to 60,000, 70,000 people at that point. The next mayor, we're going to be crossing a population of 100,000. And we have not been doing the hard work of investing in growth. And I see that as a safety risk, too. It's not just filling in the ranks of safety professionals right now so they're not as exhausted on the front lines responding it's also investing in a new police station and a fire station and we need a mayor that's calling for those actions in parallel
1: all right we'll get into some of those specifics and uh, your calls and questions for kim lund are more than welcome in fact they're encouraged here on kgmi connects our phone number 360-676-5464 kim is running for mayor of bellingham And uh, challenging the incumbent, Seth Fleetwood. And we'll be back in just a moment here on KGMI Connects. We'll get into some specifics about some of these issues that you touched on and more as we continue. Once again, our phone number, 360-676-5464. Dewey Griffin
3: Subaru is driven by one simple concept. If we all give a little, we'll all have a lot. This month, they're shining a spotlight on the hard-to-adopt alternative Humane Society foster pets in need of loving forever homes. Open up your heart and home to an underdog on National Make-A-Dogs Day at Dewey Griffin Subaru on Sunday the 22nd from 11 to 1. Meet many of the Alternative Humane Society foster dogs, cats, and kittens available for adoption. Plus, there will be a pet food drive with chances to win your pet a prize. The Dewey motto rings truer than ever. Kindness, care, and safety have never been more important. Stop by Dewey and check out all the new Subarus and support a local dealership that gives back to our community. From the Ascent to the Outback, Forrester, Impreza, and the all-new Crosstrek, a Subaru from Dewey Griffin will get you and your family where you need to go safely. Dewey Griffin Subaru, community-minded, community-driven, and the only Subaru-certified tire and service center in Whatcom County.
2: Hi, this is
4: Marcia Neal. You probably know me from Vibrant USA. We are excited to announce we are now Guided Solutions. That's right, we have a new name. We are continuing to offer our same great services and look forward to hearing from you. Are you approaching retirement and need help navigating Medicare? Are you on Medicare and want updates on potential changes for 2024? Our agents are here to help, so give us a call at 866 733 5111.
3: Carpet Liquidators
5: makes floor shopping as simple as one, two, three. Number one, go to carpetliquidators.com and choose the type of flooring you're looking for. Number two, schedule a shop-at-home time that works for you. Our flooring experts will bring your samples directly to your doorstep. Number three, we'll take measurements and provide you with a quote. And best of all, it won't cost one penny more than coming to the store. Visit carpetliquidators.com. It's quick, easy, and the visit is free.
6: Hey there, Deanna Harrell here, and I want to invite you to join me on a once in a lifetime adventure with Bel Air Tours next June. We'll spend seven incredible days in Boston, Cape Cod, and all the surrounding islands. It's KGMI's Cape Cod and the Islands Tour, packed full of our nation's history. Discover where Paul Revere got the signal to start his famous ride. Visit Martha's Vineyard and Nantucket Island. Explore traditional cranberry bogs and so much more. The whole trip is led by a professional guide. It includes plenty of time for us to do our own exploring too. This is an adventure you don't want to miss. I'm so excited for this trip and even more so that we get to experience it together. You can find all the info at KGMI.com or you can email me with questions. That address, KGMI at KGMI.com. And don't wait too long. It's already filling up quickly. KGMI's Cape Cod and the Islands Tour. Let's go on an adventure with KGMI.
0: We're taking your calls live on KGMI Connects, 360-676-5464.
1: That's right. And your calls are welcome here on the program as uh, we welcome Kim Lund into the studio. She is running for Bellingham Mayor. And uh, ballots in the mail today.
2: Exciting! This it, is a perfectly timed. Exactly. <laughs>
1: so uh, you should be getting yours anytime tomorrow, maybe the day after. Uh, and uh, of course, it has to be in by November seventh. And Kim, uh, we touched on a few of the, you know, few of those issues that uh, are facing the city. And a big one, obviously, is, is homelessness. You talked about the uh, the encampment that grew around City Hall uh, a couple of what was it, a couple of years ago and uh maybe i guess 3 years ago uh it was about this time i guess in 2020 when it first started and lasted for uh well i guess it was over 2 months and um uh I get, you said that was um action that was that was delayed and what i guess what would your response have been when if uh if, say if you were mayor and uh, all of a sudden a uh, handful of tents sprouted up on the the lawn of the of city council or of the city hall. Rather,
2: I think as soon as those first tents went up, there would have been a call. If I would have been mayor, there those tents would have come down, and we could have sprung into action right away on the tiny home villages and other temporary emergency shelter that eventually flowed from that. Um, you know, there are pallet shelters available <laughs> that can be deployed very quickly. Um, and so we we could have acknowledged base camp was full, um, you know, if we were at a critical m- moment for people that were unhoused in our community without letting um, what happened over months happen. And it was interesting, just last night, um, there was a League of Women Voters uh, Candidates Forum, and we were, both the current mayor and I were asked a question that, um, to define an example that highlighted our style of leadership. And I found it interesting that Seth chose to highlight the homeless encampment on City Hall Lawn as an example of his leadership. Because he concluded at the end of his statement that it his leadership style in that moment fundamentally worked. And, you know, it makes me question like who did it work for in that moment? Because I still see as a candidate, that there are ripple effects playing out in this community. I don't think it worked for the people that were, you know, intense on the front lawn. It certainly didn't work for the victims of very violent sexual assaults that happened on the lawn outside of the Children's Library. Um, It wasn't working for city staff who were feeling unsafe entering and exiting on their way to work on behalf of all of us as city employees each day. So I guess um, I'd I'd be interested to, you know, of course, in candidate forums, we're constrained in our 90-second responses. But I thought that was an interesting answer to highlight for his leadership style.
1: As far as the people that were there, and uh, I I guess I would just throw this out, would the city, if the city does say, okay, we get the uh, emergency pallet shelters in, and these are small, these are tiny homes, in essence, Mm -hmm. that are kind of prefabbed, as I understand it. Uh, that um and let's set them up let's you know take a t- take a city-owned lot set these up and get them in place and I, then does the city doesn't the city take on a, a liability for what happens there aren't you taking ownership then of that uh settlement or or, or what have you and, and the people in it
2: well actually um it's interesting i don't know if you've heard of the big lift there's yeah. um it's a anti-homelessness proposal that's been put forth by several members of the community and while I don't um, wholesale adopt that there is a point that I do think that they make very effectively and um, indeed the city does not take liability we are asking these very small nonprofits like Road to Home and our other community partners to take on that responsibility And it's um, in part because we've deferred that responsibility why it's hard to expand that model, which is successful. And um, in fact, one of the things that I think would be most helpful for our community right now is a safe lot. There was just a story in um, the paper this week about Ferndale has found a community partner to uh, create a safe lot for RVs or other individuals living in their cars Bellingham put out for months a request for proposals for a community partner to have a safe lot, and no one applied. And I think that is a clear signal that um, we need to be doing more. The city needs to be a better partner in this because that's absolutely a tool right now. Um, I've heard from so many families, families at Carl Koser, um, you know on Kentucky Street, um, impacts to the businesses there and around the Boys and Girls Club, from people that are living in their RVs, and living near RV in itself is not a crime, but we do have uh, parking laws, and it would be great, and if we could say, you know, this isn't a safe long-term place for you to be. This is where, in our community, you can go. There's sanitation services. There's connection to supports we want to help you transit to a more stable living situation. And that, that is the kind of work we need to be doing right now as a community. And as mayor, I want to be a much more active partner in expanding solutions that we know are working like that.
1: All right. Our guest is Kim Lund here in the studio. She's running for Bellingham mayor. And your calls and questions, comments are welcome, more than welcome. And uh, Rich Ferndale joins us. Hi, Rich. You're on with Kim How's Lund.
2: It? Hi, Kim. How are you? I'm great, Rich. Thanks for calling in.
1: So I'm not
7: going to be able to vote for you 'cause in Ferndale, but I still pay plenty of attention to what goes on in Bellingham area. And you were talking about the homeless camp, what, three years ago, and what you would have done and how the current mayor answered the question. And it was pretty laughable that he claimed, the, you know, he did a great job on that. But so if there was another situation like that, I know you said you would, after the couple third tent went up, you would do something. If these people refuse homelessness, if they refuse shelter when it's offered, what would you do or what should the city do about that? That seems, I don't know, you should get a ticket to jail. If you don't want to go to a shelter and get taken care of and you want to be on the street and make a mess, wouldn't that be a, a ticket to some place you don't like to, I don't know, you just can't really allow it, I think. wonder what your thoughts are.
2: Yeah, I think that I have not met anyone as a candidate over many months and many conversations, both left and right. Um, We have such a generous, wonderful community, and we want to connect people to services, and we want to help people that say yes to help. And so I absolutely want to expand our ability to do that because we are limited in offering help right now. But when people are saying no and they're causing disruption or committing crimes, then I think we need to hold people more accountable for that kind of disruption. I know that is certainly what the small local business community downtown is calling for right now. Um, I brought up, you know, we have pockets of, of where this is, is causing real disruption, uh, certainly uh, yes. around Walmart right now as a community. Oh,
7: bad, very bad there. Yeah,
2: Yeah. Uh, um, Kentucky Street. Um, so, you know, there are administrative tools that um, cities have adopted. We could look at doing safe zones around schools. Um, we could look at doing uh, protection zones in the downtown. I think these are things that we should explore as stabilization measures. But I also want to say that, One of the things I'm calling for is a by name list approach to homelessness because we do a single point in time measurement right now. And we don't, when we go out one night a year to try and get a count of people that are unhoused and unsheltered in our community, we do not know their names. We do not know what their needs are, their stories, where they're coming from. And if we adopted a by name list approach that other communities are then we could better connect them to the, what they're needing, so that they can stabilize and connect to a better future. And these—I I never want us to lose our humanity. These are people; they're someone's, you know, son or daughter. They're, um, you know, someone's brother or sister. And this by name approach, I think, would be so much better. And then we could really have a more data-informed approach to the programs that are working in our community to help homelessness be a temporary um, and brief condition because that's what we want it to be. We want people moving on and connecting them to a better future. And I also feel like it's really important to say that homelessness is directly connected to housing affordability. And we have decades' worth of construction deficits. And one of the most important things that we can do is homelessness prevention and that is keeping people stable in the housing that they have so we need to have an all-out effort on supporting people to stabilize in the housing that they have today and we also as a city can be doing so much more to build
1: as far as building homes and this comes up a lot obviously and um Uh, does the city have a role in, in the housing market, just beyond tiny homes or, or the homeless situation, but just affordable housing is the, could the city somehow regulate? And, and I'm just throwing out some ideas, regulate maybe a percentage of uh, homes that would be affordable in a development or that sort of thing, or uh, whatever your thoughts might be on that.
2: Yes, yes. And yes, I think that, um, when we talk about what a city can and can't do it's um, no no city or municipality has um, you know the prescriptive five steps to ending fentanyl addiction right like that is that is complex but what a city can do and it has a direct levers that they can pull is to look at how are we building in our in our community and there are many things that we could be doing more right now. And we have excellent people in the planning department. They have wonderful expertise. Many of them have worked in communities that have expedited permitting process, have worked with form-based code, um, code and uh, that's form-based zoning is uh, a very different approach that could streamline our process right now and be a helpful tool in our toolkit we should be adding staff to the planning department and empowering these good ideas and expertise that we have. Because when we can decrease our permitting time, which can be, um, especially for larger projects right now, 16, 18 months, the cost to build begins accruing at the day you show up at the permit desk. So whatever we can do to decrease um, permitting time decreases costs, and it also increases incentive to build. And increasing staffing at the, um, within the planning department right now would also be a helpful tool for renters who we have notified for um, their landlords and housing that is not up to the city standards. They've been found in violation. And we are issuing letters of, you know, what needs to be done to come up to compliance and we're not following through. And so more staff would be helpful for for renters that are in bad situations right now as well. And that's just one thing I could go on about this a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry.
1: Well, it's an important issue for certain. I do have to take a quick break. but uh, Thanks for your call, Rich. And we got other folks on the line, too, that have uh, a number of uh, questions for you. Kim, Kim Lund is our guest here in the studio and we'll be back with more. She's here until five o'clock to take your calls and questions comments and uh, finding out about her and uh, and why she thinks she'd be the best next mayor for Bellingham. And uh, back in just a moment, our phone number, 360-676-5464.
5: Hello, folks. This is Phil George. I'm an elder law and estate planning attorney here in Bellingham, and I'd like to invite you to join me every Saturday and Sunday at 1 p.m. right here on KGMI for the Aging Hour. If you have questions about Medicare, Medicaid, long-term care costs, probate, wills, trusts, or anything else that has to do with aging, this is the radio show for you. Studies show that more than 70% of estate plans fail when families need them. The most. Join us every Saturday and Sunday at 1 p.m., and we can show you how to set your family up for
3: success.
6: With more ways than ever to connect to news and entertainment, 90% of new car buyers want the tried-and-true AM-FM radio option.
3: Gadgets are
1: great, but when you're behind the wheel, you just want that local connection that you can't get from online apps.
6: Local radio is dependable and free, with no subscription or cellular data required, and no fumbling with a separate device. Visit WeAreBroadcasters.com and tell
1: us how you depend on AM radio stations like KGMI and how you want AM included
5: in your next new car with today's rising costs it can be a challenge to feed your family and Little Caesars wants to give back to our community with a customer appreciation day and not just one day Every Tuesday, pick up two large cheese or two pepperoni pizzas plus free crazy bread for just $13.99. You heard right, $13.99. No need to order ahead, just walk in and they will have it hot and ready. Or, if you prefer to call ahead, they will be happy to take your order. And now, you can place your Two for Tuesday deal for online orders too. Just download the Little Caesars mobile app or visit them on the web at littlecaesars.com. Choose your closest Whatcom County or Skagit store, add two classic pizzas and a crazy bread to the cart and enter the promo code 2 for Tuesday at checkout. That's the number 2 for Tuesday at checkout. It really is that easy. Where else can you feed your family, friends, or crew for just $13.99? Little Caesars, the world's easiest way to pizza. Locally owned and operated in Whatcom and Skagit County since 1988.
7: Pizza, pizza. The Linden Community and Senior Center in partnership with Hoagland Pharmacy will be hosting a walk-in vaccine clinic on Friday, October 20th from 10 till 1 p.m. at their 4th and Grover location in Linden. Stop by during the What's Next Info Fair for this year's flu, RSV, and COVID shots. This event is open to all in our community and most types of insurance will be accepted. October 20th from 10 till 1 p.m. at the Linden Community and Senior Center. Stay healthy and keep our community safe this fall and beyond with the Linden Community and Senior Center center
0: We're taking your calls live on
1: KGMI Connects, 360-676-5464. That we are, and our guest here in the studio taking your calls is Kim Lund. She is candidate for Bellingham mayor, and the ballot's in the mail today. So uh, be looking in your mailbox and get ready to vote early. Not often. We don't endorse (laughs) that around here. (laughs) Very, um, uh, I think... uh, Proud tradition of uh, mail-in boating that I think serves us very well. But uh, that's my thought, anyway. Uh, let's go to Marty and Lyndon. Hi, Marty. You're on with Kim Lund.
3: Hi, hi, Joe. Yeah, thanks for taking my call. Uh-huh. And, uh, thanks, Thank you, Kim, for
1: putting yourself out there for an interview. I got a couple of questions. Well, first, a comment. When it comes to
3: homeless camps, what a lot of people around homeless camps find is a lot of petty theft. And nobody ever talks about that. Also, I want to know your uh, your wh- how you feel about abortion and about the resolution that Bellingham City Council
1: put forth uh, years back about Sanctuary City for abortion, for people to get abortions. Uh, and are you pro-life or not? I'd like to hear your views on that.
2: Yeah, thanks for asking the question and giving me a chance to talk about it. Um, I am... Um stridently pro-choice, and I have endorsements of both Pro-Choice Washington and Planned Parenthood. And, um, you know, I, I support the full spectrum of uh, women's access to women's health care and think that's a very personal decision between uh, a woman and her health care provider. And In part, I am able to be running for mayor right now, and my husband is at the point where he's at in his career because we had the agency to determine when it was right for us to become parents and start our family, and that was critical to my success and where I am today, and um, I'm really, you know, Planned Parenthood for me was my sole healthcare provider during my 20s until I gave birth to my daughter, so you know, they provide basic, fundamental, excellent healthcare for people in this community, and I'm grateful for that.
1: All right, thanks for your call, Marty. Let's go to uh, Michelle in Bellingham. Hi, Michelle.
7: Hi, Joe, thank you, Joe, for doing a wonderful job here with Kim and for uh, just uh, great community service. Um, Kim, I'm an older lady in Bellingham, been lived here a long, long time. Uh, they call me lady law because probably no citizen, whoever calls the station and contributes, is more emphatic than I am about law and order on everything from shoplifting to homicide. Now, uh, when it, I like much of what you've been saying. I think you get the idea that we just can't let people sleep on the street and that we just can't let people be addicted and we can't let people be criminals and we can't let people be mentally ill. Now, what do you have to say about crime and about – about? I know our jail is – need a, we, I know we need a better jail and all that stuff. But what do you have to say about – I want you to be emphatic in your declaration that you will – go all out to prevent and punish both crime. At the same time, if people want to go straight, just if they want treatment for addiction, we should try to help them. They have to want to become better people. What do you think?
2: Uh, Well, I appreciate you calling in, and it sounds like you're a regular caller, so you're paying attention and you're invested in this community. and. Um, I said it last night in the candidates forum for the league that community health and safety and our well-being is the foundation on which we build everything else. And we've had some corrosive impacts on that. And some of that is, um, you know, big national forces, but we've had some corrosion at the local level, too. And so we need to shore up that foundation because that's the foundation we build upon And, um, you know, right now you mentioned the jail, but our jail is full. It's at capacity. So um, until we have a different facility or we're employing more diversionary programs or we are reforming bail or using different technology, there are probably some people that are in there right now that could go home with some home monitoring devices um, that's an option right now, but it's if we charge a lot of money per month for people to be able to use that. It would be much cheaper, actually, than keeping them um, in that jail if, if they're an eligible candidate for home monitoring. Um, we shouldn't be charging them so much. That would be a, a service to us uh, to let them go home. And, you know, there are different solutions and approaches we need to be doing. So I'm supportive of the new jail proposal. We do, at my tour of... Our current jail facility was, you know, it left an indelible impression on me. We have a classroom that we've turned into a courtroom. The indoor recreation center right now is stacked with bunk beds. And we have moved the library into a literal broom closet. Mm. So I think that sends a very powerful message to the people that we have housed there about what we think about them and what their future could look like. So we need a new humane jail facility. And is the current measure before us perfect? No. But could it make a big difference, especially if after that year 4-6 we're investing a minimum of 50% into supportive services, that would be a transformational change of what justice could look like in Watkin County. And as mayor, I would sit on the executive oversight board, making sure the money is wisely spent, that we're being stewards of the taxpayer money so that we're actually building what we've put forth before the voters right now, and that we have the focus after the facility is constructive of um, very different level of supports for people in this community. So Um, You know, they have options to get behavioral health supports, addiction services, skills training, and um, stabilization. Right now, our jail is a driver of homelessness. About 20% of people that are homeless on the West Coast are entering homelessness because of a connection to jail. So when you're being incarcerated, uh, you lose all your income and you cannot make your payments on your mortgage or your lease. And um, that's it. It's a driver of homelessness. And the new jail. I've heard both sheriff candidates talk about having this warm handoff where there's temporary assistive housing as you leave the facility. I mean, that is just that. That is, you know, a transformational change from the way that we operate today. And it's, I think, a tool that we need in our community's toolkit right now.
1: All right. Thanks for your call, Michelle. Uh, once again, our guest Kim Lund. She's running for mayor here in Bellingham, and. Let's go to Joni in Bellingham. Hi, Joni. Hi. I have a question
4: for Kim about um, the idea of possibly rotating the neighborhoods, each neighborhood's responsibility for having adjusted income housing in their neighborhood. I live in North Bellingham, and we're in the prospect in the process right now of getting some opportunity council housing near the mall, near the mall, and. I feel like our community is already stressed with drug houses and open um, open shoplifting, no, no contact with shoplifters coming out of the big box stores, so it creates this unhealthy going to shoplifting, going to the drug houses. And then we have now one of these orange signs stuck in the ground, in right in the middle of this ground zero of this horrible addiction cycle in our neighborhood that they're going to put more people at risk that are trying to get out of this into our neighborhood. I feel like we haven't healed our neighborhood, and now we're bringing more people in who are at risk. And the reason I'm calling is because why can't we rotate this around the neighborhoods? Why does it have to be always a squeaky wheel gets the oil when they want to build something to help people in their nice neighborhood? It feels like like appropriation to me. It feels like... um, Yeah, it doesn't feel right.
2: Thanks for calling in with that. Um, You know, I can say I live on the south side of town, and I paid attention to the comments on Nextdoor um, when there was a tiny home village proposed next to the waste treatment facility down by Marine Park at the Post Point Treatment Center. Um, The neighborhood was very concerned. And I can say, having lived in that neighborhood um, close to that over years, there really has not, I think there's been a lot of um, a, a, abatement of those fears over time. And, you know, there hasn't been the disruption that's occurred. So I have confidence that if it does come, um, that the impacts could be venable because that's what we've seen in our tiny home villages so far. But I do think that right now um, we need to have a regional county-wide approach to this and Bellingham is doing a tremendous lift and as mayor I want to work with the mayors of the other small cities in Whatcom County to say we need you to be partners in this work too and um, I've heard SAT Paul say that they're interested in funding more tiny home villages in the county I don't know where this would, would be cited right now but we need to diffuse this um, Bellingham is 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 shouldering a heavy burden right now and it's a regional problem and we need regional partners.
1: All right, we'll take a quick break and be back with more. Uh, Kim Lund is our guest here on KGMI Connects she can take your calls and questions and uh, talk about some more issues when we come back in just a moment. 360-676-5464.
8: For 77 years, DeWarden Bodie has been the largest independent appliance and mattress retailer in Whatcom and Skagit Counties. But being bigger isn't always better. Being better is better. That's why DeWarden Warden Bodie doesn't only bring you the largest selection of appliances, the largest team of professional in-house service technicians, and the largest fleet of delivery and installation teams. They bring you the absolute best, the best reviewed and the most reliable major home appliances, barbecues and mattresses from the industry's leading brands. They service the products they sell with factory certified technicians keeping you covered with worry free warranties up to five years plus they offer professional delivery and installation and they'll even haul away the old stuff. Shopping at DeWart & Bodhi means supporting local jobs and families it also means supporting local charities through DeWart & Bode's charity of the month program. So when you shop here, you're making an impact Thank you for 77 years of continued support, DeWard & Bodie, your original local appliance store since 1946.
9: The Lummy Bay Market at Exit 260 is where you'll find more in the store. You'll find more in the store because there's so much store, almost 10,000 square feet. The Lummy Bay Market is where you'll find everything you need for on and off the road. You'll find the best value on gas and diesel, along with way more than you would expect out of a convenience store. There's a liquor department featuring a great selection of your favorite competitively priced spirits, wines, and mixers. And of course, you'll want to check out the huge selection of ice cold beer in their massive beer cave. Want to grab a quick bite for breakfast or lunch? Don't feel like cooking dinner? At the Lummy Bay Market, you'll find a great hot deli counter, including our brand new fried chicken, chicken tenders, and chicken wings with all the fix ins. Make the Lummy Bay Market your first or last stop of the day for fuel, food, and more. The Lummy Bay Market, just off I 5 at exit 260 on Rural Avenue, open 24 hours, 7 days a week. Lummy Bay Market, where, where there's more in the store.
10: My daughter, she's six years old now. Well, soon to be. She's she's she said go get him, and she has a she's a boss lady. I have her operating some of her little businesses, candy business, and she loves it. Daddy, daddy, um, let's go to work. Let's go see if we need to fill up the machines with candy, and let's collect my money because I want to go to Disneyland. <laughs> Beautiful. I love that little girl. I like her heart. She'll come in and she'll offer lunch to the employees, and then she'll come to me and be like, Hey, Dad, need your credit card. (laughs) You know what? It's something that I would do myself, so I have no problem. Here's the credit card, honey. Go buy the the sales guy some lunch, and that's what she does. She comes in here and she pretends she owns the place, and matter of fact, she does. But it's fun. It's fun to see her develop her leadership at an early age.
4: Xavier Cortez is the owner of Bellingham Nissan. Part of the Cortez Auto Group.
0: We're taking your calls live on KGMI Connects.
1: 360-676-5464. I'm back with Kim Lund here on KGMI Connects, and we've got some time to take your calls here on our program, 360-676-5464. And Kim, uh, an issue that's been percolating, and, uh, well, is more than percolating I guess but uh, you know climate change is an issue that faces our planet I think most not everyone agrees I hear from folks who say they're not nothing but um, is that an area that the city should be uh, paying attention to and taking action on?
2: Yeah I absolutely think it's um, an area that the city should be paying attention to and leading on quite frankly and um, you know, we've had real direct impacts of climate change before us. I think the November flooding event, which impacted a large part of Whatcom County, is evidence of that. We had a heat dome a few summers ago that was actually the most deadly week for the state of Washington. The heat deaths connected to that People might remember those few days where it was about 114, it was more than 120 degrees up in British Columbia. Um, That was more deadly than our most deadliest week of COVID. Hmm. Heat can kill. And so um, it was deadly for our shellfish industries. There was a lot of impacts to our, our berry farms locally. So certainly it's absolutely something that we need to be paying attention to because deferred action to create a more resilient community will be very costly for us downstream.
1: What would you say to people who would make the point that, well, it's just Bellingham, that we can't affect as uh, just the small city, we can't affect what's happening around the whole world, and why should we be involved in it?
2: I think that's true, but uh, you know, there is a lot we can do, and I would actually highlight when I was on the planning commission, we were looking at uh, Cherry Point's zoning code amendments. And that started from a very contentious point where we had hours of public testimony before the planning commission um, that if we make more stringent standards about um, the fossil fuel industry, you know, with Phillips 66 and BP there, um, we are going to kill a lot of family wage jobs. And there was a lot of fear about what these Uh, code amendments could mean and we had a lot of people on the other side the environmental community calling for we have to get off of fossil fuels right now and that was a matter that was before us Um, it was only docketed to be before us for a few months and we spent more than a year in really doing the detailed work to create policy that both affirmed industry's right to be a cherry point um, to cap the fossil fuel base piece but also create clarity and a regulatory framework, which is now making us one of those hydrogen hubs. That work that we did um, was celebrated at the end of that process. Um, When that was finally adopted by the County Council, that was celebrated both by resources and, you know, Phillips 66. Like that's a real win. And those are things that we can do as a County to come together and uh, do better and you know we we can have green hydrogen like a billion dollar investment here in Wacom County because of that so there's a lot we can do.
1: Speaking of uh, family wage jobs are we are we going in the right direction say on the waterfront and with some of these other businesses I know the there's a metal shredder that uh, some have an issue with I believe it's outside of the city limits, so it's not directly a city government issue per se but um what are your thoughts on some of these kinds of industries? Are, are we doing the right thing?
2: Um, you know, the waterfront is interesting. My grandfather retired from Georgia Pacific. My uncle was a displaced worker when the, um, the mill shut down there. And we did come together as a community and say, okay, we have a new opportunity to redefine what we want the waterfront to look like. And we set an aspirational vision and... You know, we've had practical compromise over the years, and we have affirmed that we want a working waterfront. And one thing I think it's important to highlight is that if you look at this U.S. Census data, the city of Bellingham median wage is about $20,000 lower than Whatcom County because we don't have that kind of family wage job investment And, you know, we have employers like American Marine, which I think are a great example of the working waterfront that's bringing great jobs to our community. My concern about ABC Recycling right now is there is a lot of impacts at the shipping terminal. The noise in particular is one, but it looks like there may be evidence that some of the dust blowing off of that has high lead levels. Um, We need to gather a lot more data to better understand what's happening, but that isn't a lot of jobs that are being provided there. And I do worry about the cost of other jobs that could be coming. We're about to build and invest in a hotel that is adjacent to that shipping terminal. Those two things right now, um, at least the way the shipping terminal operates today with ABC Recycling, those aren't compatible. And we have uh, the Millworks project was a a wonderful project. It will create... um, Um, you know, it's a multi-use building, support for families to live on the waterfront with a child care center. That is just downstream from that facility. So I think we really need to have a critical conversation about, of course, we want a working waterfront, but we need a waterfront that works for all. And um, I have real concerns about um, ABC and the way that they have been operating and compatibility with the vision and what we want for this community.
1: All right, real quick, uh, we've got uh, Lynn in Custer on the line. Hi, Lynn. Hi. there. Go ahead. You're on the air.
4: Yeah. Um, so, um, Kim, you made the comment a little earlier uh, when somebody asked if you were, uh, how you felt about abortion. You said you're pro-abortion, and you mentioned that Planned Parenthood, you mentioned Planned Parenthood and said it's a great health care facility. But Planned Parenthood is the largest provider of abortions in our country. So I just wonder how you reconcile um, Planned Parenthood as a health care facility when they kill children. Those are, those okay. two things are not coherent.
1: Okay. Uh, Kim, do you want to respond to that real quick?
2: Yeah. Um, thank you for calling in, and I completely respect your position. Um, you know, I shared my experience with Planned Parenthood, and they were, they were my primary health care provider. I was an otherwise healthy, um, you know, 19 to 27-year-olds when I was seeking services there, and they provided excellent, affordable, accessible care for me. So I'm sharing my experience with them, and um, you know, I see abortion as a personal decision between a woman and her, her health care providers. So And I hope you can respect my position on that.
1: All right. Well, we just have a moment or so left. And once again, Kim is running for uh, Bellingham mayor and um, a political newcomer. This is your first, uh, first political campaign, right?
2: Yes. No, I've never sought political office before. And it's been a tremendous opportunity to learn Bellingham, you know, to get to know Bellingham even more. It's been great. Well
1: we appreciate you joining us here on the program and if people want to find out more about you and your campaign how can they how can they do that
2: Yes Please go online to electkimlund.com. You'll find all my contact information. I answer every email. You'll find the campaign's phone number. Please reach out. I'd like to keep the conversation going.
1: All right, Kim. Great to have you in. And uh, once again, tomorrow evening, or tomorrow afternoon, rather, I should say, we'll hear from uh, Seth Fleetwood, uh, the current mayor of Bellingham. We'll hear uh, from Dan Purdy who is uh, running for Rockingham County Executive on Friday. And coming up uh, this afternoon, or well, this evening at 6 o'clock, we'll hear the uh, Women Voters Forum that they held on the jail and justice proposal. So thanks for joining us here on KGMI Connects.